again, I want to say thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, deciding to take part in uh, our worship. I also want to uh, invite you, if you haven't already started, it's not too late, it's, not, it, it's plenty of time uh, to do this. Start reading one chapter from the Gospel of John each day. Um, we're going to do that every month this year. So uh, you, you may be thinking, well, this is the third and I'm way behind. There's only 21 chapters, so it's easy to make up. There's always days left over. Even in February, there will be days left over that you can use for catching up or reading something else. Uh, but I want to encourage you, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John from three different angles in our sermons and our messages uh, throughout this year. So I, I want to encourage you to uh, get to know Jesus through the Gospel of John by reading one chapter a day. Uh, I think, think you'll find it very rewarding and very helpful. Well, how can I describe the last 12 months in public as a pastor? Oh, the words are getting much... The list is getting shorter all the time as I think about it. Uh, stormy is, is one word I could use for, for this last year, both literally and figuratively. As I understand it, uh, the tropical storms and hurricanes in the Atlantic Ocean, we had so many of them this year, we worked our way through the English alphabet and started into the Greek alphabet. Wow. That's unusual. Of course, then there's our, the whole thing in our society and the elections and, and COVID and pandemics and all those things that are, are, are tying together. Stormy is, is, is a good word. I've started a new calendar for uh, uh, a new year, but, but I'm wondering what the tw next 12 months uh, will hold. Um, more storms, new sailing, who, who knows? Uh, will I have some secure footing or will I get uh, swept off my feet, uh, which has happened more than once this year? Uh, I, uh, I have a friend, uh, she posted on Facebook, she said, Dear 2021, I have no expectations. <laughs> Sincerely. And then she signed it. Uh, maybe that's probably the best way to go into this year. Uh, I heard a, a new song this week. A couple of weeks ago, I said that um, a lot of new Christmas songs were weird. Uh, and then I found myself quoting some new Christmas songs, including this one that I, I just heard this this week, after Christmas, no less. Uh, but it's a new Christmas song, and the opening words really grabbed my attention. It's not only Christmas, but it's the beginning of a New Year kind of song. She's, the, the singer says, we've done another trip around the sun. How we wish it would have been a better one. Mm. Here we are painfully aware that it's hard to hope, easy to despair, as this, year's close, this year closes, we begin again. Hmm. I really don't think that the singer and I are the only ones who wishes this last year had been a better one. Um, 
And I'm fairly certain that I'm not the only one wondering where I can turn to find some calm in all the chaos mm -hmm. that's going on around us. Uh, some people have looked forward to this new year as, as if all the storms and chaos would disappear with a new calendar. Oh, crud, it didn't all show up there. Uh, let, let me tell you what that says. Uh, just wait until 2020 turns 21 and starts drinking. I don't know if pastors are supposed to say that in church or not, but I just did. <laughs> so, so there are people been looking for, as soon as January gets here, everything's going to be wonderful. It'll be a brand new year. And I'm thinking, you do realize, no, apparently you don't. Uh, and and then, then there's others who are wondering what new problems are going to get added uh, to our list on top of the ones that are still hanging around from 2020. Uh, most of us want to face the coming months with uh, a solid, secure footing, but how, how are we going to do that? Where can we turn to find calm in the chaos of our lives? Well, this morning we're going to be looking at Psalm 56. So if you want to uh, find your way there in your Bibles or on your devices, uh, That'll be fine. I, I'll share verses from on the screen as well. Uh, just a backstory. Most of the Psalms, many of the Psalms, some we know the, the backstory on them, but there's always a, a story behind the prayers or the songs in the Psalms. So here's the backstory on, on Psalm 56. Uh, David was the youngest of uh, all the sons in his father's family. Uh, he was like the runt, the, 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 the youngest, nobody ever thought seriously about him kind of guy. Uh, all he was good for, they thought, was taking care of sheep. And a guy named Samuel, a prophet for the ancient uh, Israel, came and anointed him to be the second king of Israel. Uh, the first king, Saul, didn't particularly appreciate that. Uh, he had his own son that he expected to be uh, the next king, and so he decided he was going to kill David. And uh, he starts a massive manhunt all through Israel. David uh, runs and hides, and uh, eventually he sought asylum with the king of Israel's next-door enemies, the Philistines. A little bit more backstory. Uh, before or some close to when David was... Uh, anointed king, he killed a guy named Goliath, who was a giant, about nine feet tall, a champion who uh, challenged the armies of Israel to a one-on-one, -on -one. send me your best guy, we'll fight, whoever wins, wins the whole war. Mm. And here's this little kid named David, who picks up his little stones. By the way, he picked up five because Goliath had four brothers. <coughs> Have you ever wondered? It wasn't because he thought he was going to miss the first time. He just knew this guy had backup. And huh. he didn't want to have to mess with them either. So he picked up five stones. He went out. He killed Goliath, but knocked him out at least with the stone. He took Goliath's sword and he chopped his head off. Yikes. Here's an oldie, but for me a goodie. David really knew how to get ahead. 
And uh, so one of my friends said, you're the punniest pastor I've ever met, and so I have to live up to my reputation, right? Okay, so uh, Goliath's sword was, was put in a kind of like a, uh, a place of special things. Because, well, it was huge for a guy nine feet tall. Can you imagine how big a sword would be for a guy nine feet tall? Uh, but David's trying to run away, and on his way out of Israel, he stops by and picks up Goliath's sword. And then he goes to Goliath's hometown with the sword he used to behead the giant. You must really be scared of whoever's behind you to go running to the hometown of the guy you killed, mm -hmm. hoping they'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and the king of the Philistines welcomed him until his advisor said, do you know who he is? You know, that's the guy they sing songs about. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. One of those was Goliath. You know, so they want to get rid of David. And David, uh, David acts like he's insane. So that they figure he's not essentially harmless and they let him go. Uh, and in the middle of this mess that uh, of running from Saul and trying to get away from the Philistines who were wanting to kill him, he wrote this prayer song that we call Psalm 56 uh, in the middle of that whole thing. Now, just think about this. If you had been David, where would you have turned to find some calm in, in the chaos of his life? I mean, he's got a king trying to hunt him down uh, in his home country, and now he's in another country and the king's advisors are trying to hunt him down. Uh, he's definitely in a life or death situation. And where, where would you, if you were in that, where would you go to get some kind of sense of calm, peace of mind? What would you do? In the opening lines of Psalm 56, he summarizes the situation in a poetic way, and then he reveals his source of peace in the middle of this whole struggle. Now, feel free to follow along on, your, on, on the screen with me or on your devices. David says, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long, and in their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? He comes back to that statement in verses 10 and 11. He says, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid, what can man do to me? David shifts his focus from his frightful situation and dare I say, 
probably worse than anything we've faced even in 2020. I mean, I've not had, I've had a lot of stress and struggles this year, but I really haven't had two whole countries seeking to kill me. I don't know anybody that has. And he moves his, his, his focus from that frightful life or death struggle to the Lord. And his fears fell away. Could it be that you and I focus on the wrong things? The ancient teachers of Israel taught a principle that really goes against our, uh, our, our uh, tendencies. Some people would say it counterintuitive. Counterintuitive basically means it doesn't seem to make sense, but it does. Uh, this is what the ancient teachers of Israel said. Uh, that's not an ancient teacher of Israel, just so you know. Uh, you'll know why he's there in a moment. The, what the ancient teacher said is it's only through the experience of extreme turbulence that we are able to experience constant tranquility. It is only through the experience of extreme turbulence that we are able to learn how to experience constant tranquility and peace. Now, that's, this is why the guy's up there. If you've ever watched a, an experienced surfer riding the waves of a roaring ocean, you'll understand how this concept works. In the case of the surfer, it doesn't matter how turbulent uh, the waters are, the waves rise and fall, they splash and crash, and yet the surfer is having fun. It wouldn't be my thing, but they have fun. Uh, they're calm, they're cool, they're riding, they ride that turbulence, the turmoil, with complete confidence. Now, I tried to find a picture to help us with this. That's a pretty big wave. This afternoon, I want to encourage you to Google surfing an 80-foot wave. There's a video. You'll see the wave, and you'll have a really hard time finding the little speck of a person that's on it. But it's a video of a guy surfing an 80-foot wave off the shores of Portugal. Not my cup of tea. The wave was so big he had to be towed to up, up onto the wave, to the top of the wave, by a jet ski. And he did it. He didn't wipe out. He didn't die. In fact, there's a competition every year on this, in the surfing world to see who can ride the biggest wave. Great examples of this principle that it's only through the experience of extreme turbulence or giant waves that we can learn to experience constant 
tranquility and peace. Where can we turn? Where can we turn to find calm in the chaos of our lives? Following David's hints and example, I would suggest that connecting with Jesus can create calm in our chaos. And it seems to me that you and I need to change the way we think about how we experience calm. Concentrating on our, your circumstances creates inconsistent calm, but concentrating on your connection with Jesus creates consistent calm in, in your chaos. Uh, let me break that down. That, that's, a, that's a huge sermon in a sentence, I know. So I, uh, let me break it down. The first part, concentrating on your circumstances creates inconsistent calm. We tend to think that calm is when there aren't any problems. There aren't any waves. There aren't any storms. The water is smooth in our lives. Our, everything's going just right. Ah, now it's calm. How long does that last? Your circumstances rise and fall like the waves in an ocean. Uh, sometimes the changes come like refreshing ripples. You know, there, there's, it, it's a wonderful thing to, for me. I love sitting by the sea and hearing the waves you know, come up and lap them against the shore. Although once my wife and I went to, on vacation to Florida, got there right two days. Uh, we were only going to be there for three days. We got there one day before a hurricane. Oh. They didn't tell you. You know, in the Midwest, we don't think about the weather in Florida when we're going to go to Florida. So we don't watch the weather in Florida, or we probably wouldn't have planned to be. Let me tell you, the waves that come up during a hurricane are not calm. Relaxing, <laughs> refreshing waves. Yeah, so, some other waves uh, come into our lives like giant riptides that sweep us off of our feet and threaten to drown us. Uh, as long as you focus on filling your life with those peaceful little ripples or just smooth as glass, uh, you try to eliminate all of the problems, uh, at best, you're going to have occasional fleeting experiences of calm and peace. But it will never last. Because there's always a wave coming. We don't see it. But it comes. So, concentrating, on the other hand, concentrating your, on your connection with Jesus creates constant calm in your chaos. It provides a solid place to stand. Your circumstances will continue to rise and fall. That's not going to change. But your relationship with Jesus gives you something to count on. Your connection with Jesus can grow stronger and give even more peace, no matter how big the waves are. Yeah, 
trust me, nobody goes out the first day when they're learning to surf and says, I'm going to tackle an 80-foot wave. Unless they're insane. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go any further than that. Uh, but as we learn to practice our putting our focus and concentrating our focus on our connection with Jesus, the more ways are, that come, the less they're going to throw us off. Because our peace isn't based on the circumstances, it's based on Jesus, the one we know. Concentrating on your circumstances creates inconsistent calm at best, but concentrating on your connection with Jesus creates a consistent calm even in the worst chaos. So, all right. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? So how do we make that happen? How do we learn to concentrate on Jesus, our connection, our relationship with Jesus? I, I, I just added a fourth one. I had I had three ideas, but here's four. Uh, the first one is we really need to learn to filter what we allow people to put into our brains and into our minds. Uh, I'm going to leave preaching and go to meddling right now. Uh, I would highly recommend that you stop listening to talk radio shows. Or the TV news that's closely related to them. And here's the reason. They are there solely to build up ratings so they can sell whatever the commercials are that are being sold. They have no desire to communicate anything to you except buy this stuff so I get a good job. And the way they have learned to do that is to tick people off. Because the angrier you get, the more you're going to listen and the more you're going to spout and the more you're going to quote. Hey, who needs that? If you want to experience calm, don't ask somebody to come into your head to make you mad. <clears throat> Angry. Hey, hey. Just practical application. Well, how do I know what's going on? Find somebody who will tell you what's going on, not somebody who wants to make you mad so they can sell stuff and get a good paycheck. Good luck. I'm still looking. But there it is. What else? I mean, filter out a bunch of stuff that's there just solely to make us angry. The second thing is, I would suggest listening to songs of worship that proclaim God's love for us. About how He will do anything and everything and how He has done so much because He loves us. Listen to songs of worship. What kind of songs of worship? You can listen to country gospel. You can listen to southern gospel. You can listen to Gaither Gospel. You can listen to Contemporary Gospel. 
you can listen to African American gospel. That's some good music there. Uh, sorry, that's just my opinion. Uh, you can listen to just listen to the songs about who he is and how much he loves us. Let that just saturate your brain, your heart, your mind. Third thing, repeatedly read Bible verses about God's love. Like the ones we read from Romans today. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And in case you're not sure, absolutely nothing. We need to remind ourselves of that. And then we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us feel, experience His love for us. Paul put it this way in, in 2 Thessalonians. He said, may the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. If Paul can pray that for a church in Greece all those years ago, we can pray for us now. Direct my heart to the love of God. Holy Spirit, help me to know. To know. Your love. Well, earlier I shared the, the, the beginning words, the opening words from a new song I heard. I, I want to share the rest of it. Uh, we'll start at the beginning, though, so we remember it. We've done another trip around the sun. How uh, we wish it would have been a better one. Here, we are painfully aware that it's hard to hope, easy to despair. As this year's closes, this year closes, we begin again. Here's something to take comfort in. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. Were you forgotten? Were you betrayed? Are you alone? He knows the ache. Have you been waiting? Tired and confused? Have you lost someone? He weeps with you. Is your heart crushed? Then he is near enough to share every tear. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. It's okay if you need to admit that this season has lost some of its magic. It reminds you of all your hurt and loss and how you're crying out for kingdom come. No need to smile, no need to sing. Be still and think of this one thing. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. Gloria, Gloria, God has come to understand us. We can experience constant calm in all the chaos by concentrating on our connections with Jesus. Let's pray.
King Jesus, we're tired of the ups and downs and the ins and outs of the inconsistent calm that we experience regularly. We admit that we tend to concentrate on our circumstances and even worse, we try to control them and what we can't control, we overcompensate for by trying to control other things and we fail all the time. Our hearts ache for the constant calm that only you can create in us. So help us to concentrate on our relationship with you. Direct our hearts into your love and empower us to endure and to overcome with Jesus. Fill us with the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is, even though it's really too great for us to understand. We want to experience it. Let us grow daily deeper and deeper in Jesus' love. Though it costs hard trials, encourage us to grow deeply rooted into Jesus' holy love until it motivates and shapes all that we do. Heavenly Father, in, this, in the chaos of this broken world, give us a solid, stable sense of our relationship with Jesus. Amen. Again, thank you for connecting with us and participating in today's worship. I want to remind you, Jesus is the center of God's plan to transform this broken world. Jesus is the center of his plan to restore the world. And he sent the Holy Spirit to make that happen, but he's doing it. We, we, you and I, are central to the Holy Spirit's mission to proclaim the story of Jesus to every man, woman, and child in Bay County and beyond so that we all can be restored together. The Holy Spirit works in and through us to do far more than we could ever imagine uh, or guess or request in our wildest dreams. He does it deeply and gently by working inside of us. He renews our minds and transforms our lives. He touches people through us. So you are sent to love everyone, everywhere, every day. Go. You are sent in Jesus' name. Amen.